You're listening to another film podcast where three friends and possibly a guest watch a movie and discuss and debate. So get ready for some hot takes, uh, some non sequiturs, and a lot of banter. And as always, there will be spoilers. Roll pop! My name is Matt, and I recently watched Brian De Palma's Phantom of Paradise. My name is Tierney, and... Oh, I didn't know if you were done. My name is Tierney, (laughs) and I am currently watching season four of Sex Education, uh, and it is entertaining. My name is Colin, and I recently watched the Reservation Dogs series finale, and it destroyed me in a good way. Um, And another thing I watched this week that destroyed me in a good way was before sunset the movie that we're going to talk about today (laughs) Uh, so first and foremost i want to introduce friend of the pob he's been around before he's back jim welcome like you're saying like he's back like you can't keep me away (laughs) which is crazy because you never listen Uh, yeah no it's so rude (laughs) yeah we always invite you and you you join from time to time but then you never actually listen it's, well it's kind of i don't know if colin odd. told you guys when last week but i i feel like i feel a little bad about it but i like can't help but wonder if i strong-armed myself into this one <laughs> uh but in my defense this is um one of the probably there's probably about four movies i'm counting lord of the rings as one movie uh i'm not counting this as one movie with the other two but this is one of four movies that i think when people ask what are your favorite movies ever they're auto- it's one of the automatic top fives yeah, yeah. Wow. you've been talking knew- about this movie for 10 years <laughs> i was gonna say i knew that you needed to be on this one specifically because you and i yeah. sometimes just the two of us and sometimes on the group chat with the four of us and matt and tierney are just there <laughs> have talked about how much we adore this movie specifically like the trilogy in general but this movie specifically so yes i i was like we must have jim on the episode so thank you for joining us uh do you want to tell us real quick before we get into it a thing that you've consumed recently oh um i watched the entire anime series neon genesis evangelion and the movie end of evangelion and i thought it was fantastic except the last two episodes of the actual main series the movie end of evangelion is the kind of like alternative last two episodes because people hated the last two so much (laughs) nice i know it's like a like a real big anti-war and also like philosophical exploration of human it it really (laughs) like it really is it's like the there's like this this meme or i don't know what to call it like it's it's a joke about um japanese like role-playing games where it's like uh like chapter one go to town and help someone with their farm chapter two kill god (laughs) <laughs> and that's like the plot of every one of those like the acts of every one of those jrpgs and that's like kind of how this this is like is the series version of that it's not not really it's just like there's a there's a level that the stakes just keeps going it keeps raising the stakes to a degree where it becomes so philosophical and absurd that you're like all right i gotta buckle up it's kind of, kingdom hearts does the same thing it's like here's mickey oh also mm-hmm. like 
what is a heart actually? There's actually like a, a whole like dimension <laughs> of hearts. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Well, speaking of uh, philosophical hearts. debates and hearts and being human, uh, shall we talk about Before Sunset? <clears throat> Let's do it. Yeah. So this is the second film in the Before trilogy, uh, released nine years after Before Sunrise. Um, still film or still directed by Richard Linklater, aka uh, Dicky no. Legs. Don't do it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, the Dicky Links before trilogy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Can we go walk into traffic? I can't. <laughs> oh God. Uh, still starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delby. Uh, a lot of other people hanging out this time around, um, but mostly it's it's a two-hander, uh, and whew, cannot wait to to talk about it. So, Matt, do you want to give a rundown of the the rubric again? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the rubric that we're going to be using, there's eight different elements of film uh, that we'll be using to kind of guide our conversation, and those elements are dialogue, acting, visuals, music, and sound. <laughs> story and plot symbolism resonance uh probably emotional resonance uh and then uh we have emotional connection so uh these last two are still a little we're, less, we're still workshopping what, yeah what did we decide cultural. maybe it would be like cultural. i think it was like cultural, cultural significance cultural significance more than resonance i think fine okay, i'm gonna add that i just want matt to talk like he's narrating a television game show and so, uh, category one, we have symbolism. What is it that Jesse wrote? And those are the only things, uh, the only components of movies, right? I might understand there are no yeah. others. Nope. No, yes. just those. Okay, just these. It's there were yeah several years worth of experiments at uh, you know classified laboratories across the country, and in the end, they determined that you know the periodic table of film elements are just these eight. Uh, so yeah, if you think of any other ones, unfortunately those are not scientifically proven, so you can't use those. Um, yes, we only you're welcome to, we only yeah. believe in science in this podcast. We don't, yeah. we don't, in this we house, don't we, we believe in science. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are the eight. Uh, Matt, kick us off. What what are what three? What are, what are your yasas and nars for before sunset? Um, my yasas, uh, I would say again, and I think you know. We kind of already knew this going in. Uh, I think the acting is probably the top uh, element that uh, I think I love about the previous movie and that I loved about this one. Um, I, I'm going to try to expand a little bit uh, from just like dialogue and acting. So I'm going to say the acting was probably the primary thing I loved. Uh, I think the emotional connection was... Uh, you know, as potent as the first one, but I think for, like, different reasons in this one. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is I think the symbolism was uh, uh, interesting because we had context from a previous movie. And so I think that's not really an element of the first one necessarily, but I think there were things certainly that uh, I think we could talk about regarding the symbolism of certain things in this movie. So those are the three. Acting... Uh, <laughs> emotional connection and symbolism. Those are my three. 
Bless you. I Jerry. genuinely am like, I don't even know what was a symbol. So. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was my reaction. I don't curious, know. Curious, curious for that we'll part of the see. conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's why I wanted to throw a wrench in. So uh, Succeeded. Figure that out later. Yeah. Uh, I just did acting, dialogue, and emotional connection again. Bless. Yeah. Jim? Same. Those three. Uh, I am going to do similar to Matt, but... In the a... fuck, guys? We only have 40 minutes. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I, I, uh, acting is my number one. Actually, that's not true. Emotional connection is my number one and always will be every time I ever watch any of these movies. But I think the acting sure. is really stellar in this one, just as it was in the previous one. Uh, but I also, like, feels weird to say this, but, like, story slash plot... Um, I know that there isn't really much of one, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of I'm going to go in that direction for for one of the things that I want to talk about. So should we start with acting since we're all on that on that train again? <laughs> yeah. And that'll likely lead us to some of these other yeah. elements anyway, because that's what drives all these movies is their performances. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who wants to start the conversation around acting? I'm, I'm happy to. But... I I feel like it's, I mean, we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, and it's, like, more definitively true in this one because Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy are actually, like, credited as co-screenwriters. But, like, the, the like, Ethan Hawke just is Jesse, and Julie Delpy just is Celine. Yeah. And so, like, every single time the camera is on one or both of them, I, I don't see them as the people that I know from other things. I'm just like, oh no, you you have you have you are this person. Like you are you have fully inhabited everything that this character is. And so like every shot of one of them doing anything is just like it's it's perfect to me. Like it's it's so genuine and real across the board that like the entire movie I'm just wrapped and I cannot take my eyes off the screen. And like I found myself this time watching different things and so like when like obviously there's a lot of shots where like only one of them is in frame and so like that's who you're watching but this time around like i like made a conscious effort to like watch the other person so like usually like i'm following whoever's talking but this time i made like a conscious effort to watch whoever wasn't talking and just like watch the person as they were listening to the other one and i was just like yeah these are just like this is like, I think that Richard Linklater just got these two people together and was like, I, I know that this is not actually true, but, like, it feels like when you watch this movie, they all just, like, went to Paris together and were like, I don't know, just do your thing, I'll take a camera, I'll follow you around, no notes, make it happen. And they just, like, did it. And it feels, it's so, so good. Yeah. I thought, <clears throat> oh my god, my voice. I thought their chemistry was way stronger in this movie. Um but where I thought Ethan Hawke was stronger in the first one, I thought that uh, Celine was stronger in this one. Uh, I and agree. I think a lot of that is she has a much bigger personality now. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought she, I, my my favorite moment is when she's going on her rant in the in the cab about love. And oh my god! And Ethan Hawke says like, "Can I just say?" And she just yeah. can <laughs> I can I talk? Yeah. And then yeah, he goes can I talk. And then she just does these, like, stop talking motions with her hands. She's like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> and I was like, love it. Um, but uh, there was I... also um, the other thing that I thought that was really good with Ethan Hawke 
like his strong moment for me was uh watching him switch from his author persona to his self i thought that was really well done so yeah. those are my two golden moments for both of them but i think that she was much stronger in this movie i think i agree with you and i think to me when i watch it this time it's like basically as soon as jesse sees her he's just like I'm, i will give up my entire life minus my son to be with you're, you and like it's stepping on a question i have for all of you though okay, <laughs> okay. okay. put a pin in that actually no, i mean okay you, i'm not i'm not telling you yeah yeah no 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 we'll, we'll circle back but i i think yeah. like his character basically from the minute i i agree with you Tierney. i think like it is interesting to watch him at the beginning before celine is reintroduced and he's just like he's being performative like to and he, he even says it he, like he's like i'm sick of being a huckster right like he like it's yeah. he's acknowledging like his character when he's on this book tour but like the minute she gets reintroduced to his life he's just like oh yeah i'm back i'm nine years younger and i'm back in that zone and i will do anything to spend the rest of my life with you and so like his character arc in this movie doesn't really change all that much because like every single time you're looking at him he's got this look on his face like I'm so lucky to be in your presence again. Um, whereas she actually has a really interesting arc in this movie. And so get, getting to watch her play all of the different things that get from the beginning of the movie to where the movie ends, um, I think is, is like a really interesting challenge that she pulls, like she crushes. Yeah. She's like, mm -hmm. cause she starts off, she's like, like happy to see him, but she's still like very guarded about like, I don't know if I want to let myself get too invested in this happening again. And then over the course of the movie, she becomes like, she opens back up a little bit more. I would, well, I would change that because I don't think that she's guarded. I think that she is, uh, let me just say it takes one to see one. She's a mastermind of social conversation. And so she is able, <laughs> I'm just pretending to compliment myself, but she's able to, um, she is, so she is guarding herself about stuff about love, but she's not coming across as aloof. She is turning the conversation into places that she wants to talk about sure. and is willing to talk about. And that's where I'm like, well, I've been there. And they, they both <laughs> I see do what's that. happening. They both do that. Like, one, one thing I always remember watching this is that they are both deliberately turning the conversation to sex over and over mm -hmm. again so they can enable themselves to flirt. And mm -hmm. I've, like, mm -hmm. been there. <laughs> been there. <laughs> relatable. <laughs> relatable content. Yeah. And, I mean, except kind of in the car scene, whereas I think that's where they do both of their best acting in the movie him with the mm -hmm. dreams and her just stealing the movie with with the little like with the rant and like and the hand motions yeah, truly <laughs> truly and like and her like when she tells him not to touch him like that moment feels so raw like mm -hmm. like i almost like i've been there too just in a moment of such emotional vulnerability where i feel like if you touch me i'm gonna explode mm -hmm. um but i think acting wise the thing I tried to pay attention to the most this time, more so than I, I know I have in the past, but probably not for a while, I was doing what Colin was doing as I was looking at the other person a lot too, but the the moments with no dialogue or the moments of watching mm -hmm. them listen to each other because the way that they look at each other in those moments of silence, like the romance is like so palpable, but 
there's such, like, nuance in just, like, the minor, like, mannerisms that they have. Like, you can tell. Like, and, and it, the movie is benefited by rewatching, knowing, going in that he's married. Because he has mm-hmm. this look in their first conversations of, like, I can't believe what's happening right now, but oh, fuck, I'm married. Mm-hmm. And you can okay, see Okay, I it. didn't even clock the wedding ring until... She said, so you have a, a son, you're married with a son. And I was like, oh. Yeah. I, oh, that is I shocking. I clocked it. I clocked it when at one point he puts his hands on his face and rubs down. And it's like, it's maybe one or two scenes before when she like explicitly calls it out. But I noticed it because it like, I, had, I hadn't seen it until then. And I turned to Chris, uh, who I was watching it with, and I was like, is he fucking married? And he was like... And I was like, I'm so bad. I'm furious right now. (laughs) But I also think, like, as far as the acting performances, I think both how guarded she is, because I do think she's guarded, but mostly because she's approaching the situation as, I don't know if you showed up in Vienna, you clearly got married, you have a kid, uh, you wrote this book about us. Exactly, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she's kind of like, I'm not going to give anything that I'm not going to get back. So, like, I'm only going to give you as much as, like, these two of us coming back together in my home city that you know I live in uh, is needs to go. So she's very kind of standoffish, but in a, in a pleasant kind of, like, conversational old friend way. And I think that's kind of the transformation for both of them is that, yes, he's already kind of flirty and talking about sex and kind of, like, you know, hinting at things. But, like, both of them have to make that realization throughout the movie that it's not two friends reconnecting after nine years and going back to their lives that they had afterward. Like, that is the full arc. And as much as he... I think, you know, I would love to hear the question that Jim has about... At the end, Matt. At the end. we will, so keep waiting. (laughs) But, like, of Jesse's kind of approach to these situations, but, like, even, you know, as unhappy as he expresses his life to be, I don't necessarily know if he knows for sure if this is a possibility. And I also think what's so different about Before Sunset versus Before Sunrise is we don't know. It feels incredibly fragile at mm-hmm. multiple points in which it could easily break. And the cab or like the, the, the you know, car ride scene uh, is like a great example of like this might break. Like it might not withstand the complications that have come up in their lives in the last nine years. And if we didn't know a third movie was coming out at that moment, it is kind of like that might be the tragic end to this is that like people that fall in love in one moment and are kind of perfect for each other in that particular moment of time, you know, depending on where your lives go, you just might not be on the same wavelength and you might hurt each other too much to come back to where you were. Uh, And so that risk is is palpable in their performance. Yeah, I would say it's less fragile and more just, like, there are more stakes. And so it's still the Mm -hmm. same level of fragility, but they care now. Yeah. Where... Like, mm-hmm. watching the first one, I didn't say it on the pod, but I was like, why the fuck wouldn't you even give her your address? Right? Like, that is just so... It's dumb. And it's the dumbest shit I've, I've ever heard. <laughs> and I get that it was the 90s, but, like, 
no, there's no excuse. And so this whole movie, it's my letterbox review. I was mm-hmm. so fucking stressed that he would do it again because he was yeah. so dumb before yeah. that I thought he was going to do it again. And I was like... And they technically don't exchange. Yes, and they, I know. And they do acknowledge the fact that they did that and how stupid it was in the first, like, And then they didn't do it. Yeah. I was like, saying, I do. I love that they do call that out, though. And I think that it. Yeah, like, but like, it would have been a much less stressful watch if they were like, sure. "Yeah, that was stupid. We didn't do that." Can I just get your email right now before we get carried away, and then just at least take the onus off of me? Well, he is married. He is married, so I would argue I say, it might have been on her to, to mm-hmm. ask for that. But but she knew he was married and, going in. Yeah, and I think we are supposed to be nervous. Yeah that mm-hmm. they're not exchanging information because yeah it's obvious yeah, but i want to be nervous the, the whether or not it's going to work not whether or not they're going to be dumb <laughs> well, <Yeah>. sure <laughs> or or stubborn or like you know it could like very she well could be always find him because he has a website true that's true um, i yeah. just yeah <laughs> but but phenomenal performances and i also think the anger and kind of the the doubt that each of them kind of expresses to the other person. It, it really is a give and take. Yeah. And I think in particular too, like we're kind of comparing and, and I'm excited to see the third one because, uh, and again, like I've been watching these movies with Chris who loves this before trilogy. And he's kind of talked about some of the context around like, you know, the first one is very much about your twenties mm-hmm. about falling in love in your twenties and being kind of like open to adventure and to stupidity. Like, you know, these flash in the pan moments that you don't really t- actually follow through on or like you can't really bring them to any more reality than these kind of like particular memories and the 30s is really what this one is about and really about and like even in relationships what's after the honeymoon stage so like it's it's very exciting and it's very new and it's uh thrilling and the danger that comes with like oh do we like each other (gasps) oh i think they do like me oh okay like you know, the, the dining room conversation or the cafe where they're you know, having the fake telephone conversations, that's kind of the summary of, like, how you're falling in love in your 20s feels. Mm-hmm. This one is much more about, like, the in-between phase where you're like, do you like me? Because you haven't done anything to prove it to me. I don't know if you care about me at all. It's because they didn't exchange contact information. <laughs> well, yeah, but okay. But moving on from just that fact, the idea that, like... Even the book is kind of like, well, you really idealized that. And it felt like maybe you did just take me as inspiration. And for him, he's kind of like, I went there and you didn't show up. So, like, what am I supposed to think? And so it's a lot of this kind of back and forth of both of them feeling like, yeah, well, you did this. And the other person being like, yeah, well, I didn't mean it to come off that way. Which is very real for how relationships kind of evolve. completely different watch of this movie, I think. (laughs) I mean, they get along still. But I, it, the moments where they kind of express, like, I mean, Jesse on the boat being like, why didn't you show up in Vienna? Yeah. Like, she already said why. And to and, him, and he's has still a very like, good reason why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's, but that's like, more of like a think about what could have been. For it's sure. Not, yeah, yeah, That's I know, not I know. blaming I know. her. That's where I did not, and maybe I'm just head in the clouds, whatever, but I like even those things of like you idealized us, I thought they were just teasing each other, and it wasn't like a. Uh, like accosting the other person I thought that like that type of banter was super playful throughout the whole thing whether it was stuff about themselves or <laughs> numerous rants about the world which I loved all of them um, yeah. 
but like I thought that was like a very like they know the subtext but they're able to laugh about it I thought it was like a very healthy thing as opposed to like a pointing fingers well, but maybe my head is just in the clouds I mean I think you're kind of right I mean they know the subtext but I feel like the subtext is like bubbling up like a boiling like kettle like they they both came he came there admittedly as he admits later to in hopes that he might find her she read his book and it fucking emotionally destroyed her and so i bet each one of them is kind of like they're they have a guise of playfulness and talking about why weren't you there Mm -hmm. but they are kind of like he wants to be like why weren't you there immediately and he doesn't because it's just Mm -hmm. not appropriate because they haven't seen each other in so long and they got to go through the motions but yeah, is it that they're mad at both. each other, or they're mad at the situation, the situation. and the fact that they never exchanged contact? I don't think they're mad at each. I don't think they're directly right. mad at each other. Except maybe there are times where she yeah. feels like she might be mad at him, but she acknowledges that really? that might be misguided. It just, I mean, just, she pretends like they didn't have sex because she doesn't know what he's gonna bring to this conversation and what he's thinking. He's married with a kid, and so automatically that's a decision that he made to move on from her and I think as I think it's all playful and obviously like the, if this movie was an hour and 20 minutes of them being like yeah well you didn't show up well yeah well I like that that is too fun. strong so a word it, I didn't mean to say mad right I, but I think there, there's frustration mm-hmm. underneath them reconnecting yeah. because they're frustrated that like yes we still get along yes I still yeah. like you yes I'm still sexually attracted to you but all of our circumstances are different now and what a wasted nine years we've spent not together and why are we stuck having to be this way and I think like I'm in the first movie the most kind of frustrated she gets with him is later after the fortune teller is long gone being like you kind of acted like a like a prick back there and in this one she lets it out like Mm -hmm. she literally says don't touch me and that's, like, a very clear, like, I am 32. I don't have time for this anymore. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what I wanted. I don't know, like, I don't know what I was expecting. And I think that frustration is so honest for people in their 30s. And, like, she kind of expresses in her rant, like, I haven't even had bad relationships. I've just had a lot of things that didn't feel like anything. That, mm-hmm. like, were just Because I was comparing them to you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, like... What was all this for? Like, now you're married, so we're not even going to end up together. Like, it's. It, I think that frustration is so authentic for, like, how relationships that were near misses or, like, oh, we just weren't in the right place at the right time for each other and, oh, what might have been. But, like, I think that's an element that's unique to kind of this versus Before Sunrise, where it is all hope mm-hmm. and optimism, even if they don't entirely know wow. if they're going to see each other again. I have the complete opposite i think that this has and maybe it's just that i'm like an optimist as we discussed that like this is so much more optimistic than i thought before sunrise was like yeah they're never gonna get like if if i saw that and there wasn't two more movies i'd be like they never saw each other again versus this has way more according to jesse yeah, I was going to say, according to Jesse at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> or my realist. Both. When you look at a 22-year-old who... Yeah. And that versus well, think, this one, yeah. I'm 
I'm still, I think that I'm still a realist, but this, I found this one to be so much more optimistic and so much more hopeful. And the fact is, like, she, like, there's pain for both of them, but the thing is that they're not directing the pain at the other person. Yeah. The pain is at the circumstance. And so it's like, they have a common enemy, which is, like, the most hopeful thing. True. When it comes to, like, couples. If you have a common enemy, you can tackle it together. But if the other person is your enemy, you're just never going to solve anything. I, and so I, I was like, Colin the whole time thoughts. I was like, oh, this is going to work out. They'll be fine. I just, I don't necessarily see how we're seeing this. Like, we're, I feel like we're yeah, all in agreement. None, I don't think any of us <laughs> like, think like, that think they saw saying... each other as their enemy, as the other one's enemy. And, yeah. and I think it's more like, before sunrise even if they don't get back together, even if in the end of the movie this was just a moment of unity between these two people and that's all it was, in your 20s, that's fine. That, like, that happens a million times, potentially. Not a million times, but, like, it could happen multiple times, and that's the joy of your 20s. That's, that's part of being young, is these, like, romantic nights that, you know, may never get repeated. In your 30s, the repercussions of those memories and those heartbreaks actually has gravity and like you're saying the stakes are so much higher now where they're like now we're back together what are we supposed to do with this like this isn't our 20s anymore we can't just be like we fun let's go drink wine why not like why why can't they've got 80 minutes they've got like literally the amount of time until he gets on a flight and that's it and like he's got a kid so there's like all these other things that are like we just can't they so don't even can. kiss in this. They don't even kiss. In the first movie, they kiss. I, they don't even kiss in this. I disagree with all of this. Oh, my gosh. And I think it's I, my, right. my, my, my like, point of view on life is if you want something, why the fuck wouldn't you go for it? And just because... Yeah, that's the frustration that they are feeling in yeah. this, though, because they didn't go for it. No, but I'm saying... No, 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 no. I, I, I must have said that wrong. So you didn't do it nine years later. You meet up. And you want to do it. What's stopping you from doing it again? All of those things that you described, like you just go with your gut and do what you want to do. That is like to and me blow up that your entire is marriage they, with a four-year-old they child. They do, do that, but like, <laughs> like the, I think the marriages they're okay, both mutual. Let me finish obstacle. talking. <laughs> now I've lost my fucking train of thought. God damn just it! Just whenever, whenever that happens, just do the little uh, Julie Delpy. Yeah, it was like tell us to shut up. Okay. <sighs> Do what you oh, want to do. This is this to me is a way more exciting time in both of their lives than meeting on a train in Vienna. To me, this is like because this is an actual crossroads that was never a crossroads. This is an actual one, and so this is so much more interesting, so much more exciting, and I have a lot more optimism for it. I don't think any do, of us are but saying... But do the characters feel that way? That's, I think, what we're trying to get to, is the acting... The acting of their performances has so much more frustration underneath it than in the first one, where the frustration was kind of like, okay, does she like me? Okay, it seems like she likes me. Oh, I think he likes me. Okay, that was a little weird that he did But then why would leave. he stay? I think they both are optimistic, and that's why he stays. They do. And that's why she I mean, in the end, to they're apartment. together. Like, yes, they want to be together. Obviously, they want to be together, but... The point is, they can't just, at the beginning of the movie, they don't go, it's been you all along, and make out along the Seine, 
and take pictures by the Eiffel Tower. It's an 80-minute movie of them dodging the actual question that has to be answered in the end is, should we get together again? And for 80 minutes, they do not actually try to answer that question. Like, literally, he's like, play me a song. You said you were going to play me a song. And it's like, you got a plane to catch, my guy. But clearly... He's he's, making... Those are decisions he's making. But they're making excuses to try to push it to be like, okay, how much further can we take (laughs) In your 30s, though, it's not just flirting anymore. It's adultery. He is cheating on his wife if he stays with her. He is breaking up his family if he stays with her. She's cheating on her boyfriend. Right, but he's in pain, that's, like, the entire movie, wrestling right. with yes, that Yes, it's choice. their choice. <laughs> but it's not an easy choice And that's why he's using excuses, but my point is they're all decisions that he's... Look, at, I'm not condoning adultery here. I'm just saying he, they both know what they're doing, and they yeah. both are doing... They're making excuses for it, but they're both doing it because they're optimists. I don't think no. that I, <laughs> they are not optimists, or else they would be like. If they I think weren't this could optimists, work. she would not have shown up at the bookstore, and she would not have read his book. She okay. showed well, up at the I bookstore, mean, that... and she read his sure. book because she believes there is a chance for the two of them to get together. They are both willing to pick the scab of this wound, but neither of them is actually willing to commit to what it would take. Because at any point, she could have reached out to his publisher. And been like, I'm the woman yeah. in the book. She, I want his information. She didn't know his last name until she saw it in the bookshop. And then she could have followed up and tried to reconnect with him if she was like, it's time, baby. I'm going to talk to him again. Or maybe she but wants to she see him in person and suss it out for herself. But the fact that she showed up in person says that that's something that she wants. Closure. Yeah. She wants to understand why he wrote the story the way he did, considering she was emotionally damaged from it, and it ruined her perception of love and relationships. Oh, this she is wanted such to, a pessimistic I, analysis. I think but this is literally the movie. That's what this it's is about, literally though. the movie. She has a whole diatribe in the car where she's talking about how like that one night meant so much to her. That like every other relationship that she's ever had, like this is text. And why like, is that? Is a, why is that? an awful thing We're it's not, not it's not it's, not, it's, not it's frustrating it's fru- i i think they both go into and so she shows up because that thing meant so much to her that she wants that again i don't that's i don't Obviously, think that's optimism both of them i think they both again. go into it because they they both do what they do because they're romantics they're like holding on to it which is optimism sh- but i don't think it necessarily is because you can have a romantic in, in like like passion can drive you to make a decision that maybe logic might not support and i feel like there's more logic to some optimism sometimes like you go into you show you write the book go to paris hoping that maybe you'll find her but you might not even think about what happens next i guess that depends on what you think his mindset is going in she wants answers she wants closure a romantic side of her thinks that maybe they might get together but another part of her is telling her that might not happen and it's more real for her his marriage than him because he knows that he's having trouble with his marriage going in she doesn't she shows up there based on like the idea of like holding on to a romantic idea as opposed to like with the optimism that she's gonna like take him away from his marriage no but romance is optimism you don't you don't participate 
I don't think people participate in romantic ideas unless they think that they're going to work. Because what, otherwise what is, you're just going to suffer. Can I just ask what a is quick optimism? question? <laughs> what is, what is optimism? I was just going to say, why did we just, like, go down this entire I don't know. train about optimism? Like, I don't think I, that that's what the I'm point of the movies. And I'm going to say... Whether they're optimists or not, I don't think that that's what we're trying to... I just was offering a contrary opinion because I didn't well, sure. want everybody on this podcast, or one listener, to think that all of us thought these negative, pessimistic things about their situation. I don't think any of us think Nobody negative, pessimistic said that. things I, about their also, relationship. Also, I was rooting for him what to is optimism? So <laughs> what is optimism without frustration? That's the whole point, is that despite everything stacked against this, literally no contact information, has no idea if the other one's read the book, has no idea if the other one's in a happy marriage, it's all optimism to try anyway. But underlying all of it and this is again what i was trying to get at with just being in your 30s there's a frustration of like lost time of the circumstances being wildly different from the other time he's a writer now even though in the first movie he didn't really know what he was going to do and maybe would do a movie she's in you know like political action and like activism even though she was the one who wanted to write and so their lives in their details are not what they expected and they're in relationships that they aren't entirely invested in either. And she likes being alone because nobody can fill that spot that she would like Jesse to be in. And Jesse is not even in the same country. Standards. <laughs> she has standards. She has standards. But she likes being alone. Also, I will say I think that this a lot of this is also because I have that's not how I view my thirties. And that's not how I view my twenties. But that's just me. I mean, that could be that could be fair. I mean, I I was in my forties like or fifty. I was in my fifties when I was in my twenties. Yeah, I Accurate. and so I have like very. <laughs> I don't view my thirties as wasted time. I'm like this in is your, my in your one thirties though. Like, what were your one hundred and thirties like? Were they similar <laughs> to this? I was gonna ask you guys, what does it say about me that like I saw both of these movies when I was in my early twenties? Definitely felt like I was a, like huge romantic, like and and an optimist and i still liked sunset way more than sunrise uh maybe mm-hmm. that's proving tyranny's point uh that like i don't know i i always like thought like that sunrise was great but it seemed like yeah they're not going to see each other again but i hope they do like and i don't think it was necessarily pessimistic to say they won't it was more like because they're fucking stupid and didn't exchange information and shit happens <laughs> Um, yeah. But, like, I always yeah. felt like I resonated more with Sunset more because, I guess because of the stakes, and also because Sunset, they do the same dance they do in the first mm-hmm. one with a lot of the same, but like... But better. But better. I mean, they, but they do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just gonna... This is my attempt at a segue, I guess, now in the moment. <laughs> going back to yeah. their acting. Uh, those wordless <laughs> moments, like, they're doing, like, the 20s flirting honeymoon shit again like she stares at him mm-hmm. so lovingly when he's talking he bites his lip when she's talking she nervously they, they both have moments where they like almost touch the other oh one. Oh my god like, you know the mirroring like, of that moment call... is just like the it's, best it's my perfect. favorite thing uh but like she taps her right leg nervously under the tap the table when she sits down at the cafe like it's just and like when, when she smiles when he says oh shit what does he say uh or he's thought about that night or he knows that night better than 
he can remember entire Some years, years of his entire life. She has yeah. this like incredibly warm smile where I bet she is thinking like maybe this could happen. And they both kind of discover it. I feel like they discover it again together. Like, hey, this shit's actually happening. But the marriage thing is just hanging over their heads the entire time. I think to put a button on the acting, I think to me, it goes back to, I, and I agree, you know, Jim, this, <laughs> Sunset was always my favorite from the first time I saw these three movies, this was this was the one for me. And I think it's just because it feels more real to me. Like, not that the first one doesn't feel real, but I think that, like, because you add in all the stakes and you add in everything else, and we don't have to have, like, the getting to know you necessarily. Like, we've already done that part. So now we're just kind of, like, picking back up and trying to put some pieces back together to see what, like, see what the picture looks like yeah. after we, you know, reassemble things. It just feels more genuine to me. Yeah. I, like, as, as, a, as a, like, snapshot of a real-life thing, this one feels more true to me than uh, Sunrise. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I, maybe this is a segue into symbolism briefly, but we don't have to stay there for very long. Uh, but I also think, to Tierney's point, and I think the purpose of these movies, like, certainly is... The cliffhanger at the end of Before Sunrise is they might never see each other again, and the montage of the places they have been and are no longer is sad. It like yeah. it is showing emptiness in what was once filled with people that we liked following. In the converse, this movie starts with mm-hmm. a montage of places they will go that have they, they have not been yet, and it's empty for now, but by the end they have been Ooh, in these places. Yeah. And so the last thing we see isn't all the places they have been and Look are at the not symbolism. anymore. Wow. He symbolism. did it. He did it. <laughs> and that was one of the things I noticed right away, yeah. too. Uh, Can I ask a was question? That, like, oh. Yeah. The montage is, is like suggesting the growth of something, the newness it's, of It just spoils the whole movie. movie. This might be... Exactly. Uh, it's a related question, but should I wait till the questions? You can ask. Okay, so then when they are on the walk and they are talking about the cathedral of Notre Dame Notre Dame and she mm-hmm. says quote that will all be gone someday end quote what would you say is the symbolism of that it, you, is this like, a, like an obvious thing like it, is it the fire is momentary <laughs> yes <laughs> oh right yes also the roof <laughs> is it, burning up is it the was time it, where it was literally on she's fire she's a time like traveler five years ago, ago. That would happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was an inside job yeah. I did think of that too I was like let's fire certainly gone uh, I, and you know what if we want to spend if, if we can I'll, I'll say spend a little more time on symbolism I do think this movie because it has the context of the previous movie is able to do more where an image or an idea has the weight of the experiences that we know they have. And even something like the the rest of that Notre Dame quote where she says, you know, there used to be a different cathedral there, Mm -hmm. and this is the second one on top of it. Soon to be a third? (laughs) But also, like, (laughs) is the church a representation of both of their commitments in which they replaced the thing that was there before, which was the other person? with a new partner Mm. but soon it'll be gone (laughs) and all of this is momentary like these these little things that they suggest uh 
in the same way that like the the cemetery in the first one is like you know these people were here once this is like a little girl and you know nobody's going to know that we were here and nobody's going to know that she was here it, it's the same ideas are getting played with almost in, in less of a like isn't that so sad way that it is in the first one and here it's just the realism and practicality of being adults with careers where they're just kind of like that's just the way things are like literally we haven't seen each other in nine years and we may never have seen each other again if you didn't write a book this might not have happened like we had no other way to connect so like that fragility again that goes back to like this could may not this may be did couldn't have happened I don't know I just stumbled over the words but like <laughs> everything is so unless all the pieces are in the right place it won't work and I'm, uh, if we want to kind of also segue into dialogue unless other people have uh, thoughts on that the quote where Celine says you can never replace anyone because everyone is made up of such specific beautiful details yeah is I think it is kind of the thesis of the movie is that like despite their best efforts they cannot move on and the mm-hmm. weight of the other person of this one night stand uh, is more than that it's too great the specific details caught in one night had too much of an impact on their entire lives yeah yeah it's beautiful uh, a lot of I what mean, we I wanted to talk about with dialogue we've actually already covered with acting plus that Notre Dame <laughs> quote um, yeah. but I do I just like, like I have some broadly I have some notes on dialogue after when we get to it. Let's do it. Now. Let's do it. Now. Hit, hit us. Well, I mean, first I wanted to say there was an appropriate time for me to say it earlier, and I just want to make sure I say it that like having when I watched this before midnight was not in the pipeline at all, and so I did watch this movie being like, if they don't get together, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> so I guess in that sense I was really trying to remain uh, hopeful the entire time and uh-huh. leaning into every single thing they said like come on you gotta you gotta do it you just gotta go for it I've never rooted so hard for people to just like commit adultery in my life yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean extremely sick um, uh, so for dialogue the first point I just wanted to say which is sort of dialogue related is this movie lost the Oscar to Sideways and that movie can go fuck itself just for, for winning <sighs> God, <laughs> sorry, this is terrible. Downer. Why? Why did you? Why did you ruin everybody's sorry night? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I don't even like Sideways too, which is a real like. So I, I guess this is like the area where I have the most like scattered like bullet point thoughts that I don't know if I can really organize into a really coherent thing. So I'm just gonna go. Uh, just hit us. Let's see, let's see what so happens. So I guess yeah. the first one is you could tell how much uh, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke had a hand in the writing because it's the end mm-hmm. because it feels like their words. I mean, Colin kind of said this, like acting wise and, and it's so naturally like their words. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the dialogue. Uh, I, have loved, I love, love the idea that Jesse has for like a songbook. Like there's some like moments where it's kind of like filler dialogue and that seems kind of like an insult. Uh, but like when they're telling stories or when they're like talking about ideas they've had, like I think this is a, that's a really clever idea and it doesn't feel very like forced. Um, mm-hmm. I love how as soon as, and I guess this is also kind of acting, I love how um, as soon as they've gone through the whole talking about the book, why weren't you there emotions, he asks how she's doing and it so it feels like so, I guess this is more acting, sorry. It's more genuinely like yeah. he's not just going through the motions of a typical robotic conversation. He like is just been like, can't, couldn't wait to find out how she's doing. 
and is kind mm-hmm. of like almost like in his mind like self-conscious about how much he was just talking about himself um let's see uh i talked about the whole like sex bringing up sex over and over again uh the boat she's the one who says like uh sucking cock yeah. or whatever and he's like yeah, oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. i don't know uh, yeah. quick quick sidebar on that uh, not the sucking cock part but like bringing up sex all the time <laughs> yeah. when he, she the, when they're walking through the little park and he's like yeah well we'd be at some hotel and we'd be fucking crazy fucking like crazy and then when we're not fucking we'd just like be staring out and she was like why bother with the hotel why not at that bench over there and he just grabs her and pulls her over to the bench yeah. I was mm-hmm. like yes the- <laughs> but even then they, they both like like she he pull, he sits down she pulls him he pulls her on his lap but then she moves but then they both like slowly throughout the course of that time kind of like get closer to each other um, like all of that stuff is just so good. but like immediately after that scene she's like Oh yeah, so I hear you're married. And he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah." That's when I found out. <laughs> yeah, that's when I found out the first time too. I didn't clock the wedding ring. And that oh, I was mind. looking for it because I. So I think I mentioned this last week, but I was watching these leading up to. Like I knew that before midnight. Before midnight had premiered at Sundance, and it was about to come out like as an actual release. And so I was watching these two leading up to it. So I knew that there was a third one. And so after I watched the first one, I immediately fired up the second. And the first, like, I was just like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, do either of them have wedding rings? Like, I need to know. So, like, uh-huh. I cl- like I was on the lookout for that. <laughs> like, anytime you saw a shot of either of their hands, I was like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> so, I, I, I only um, had two more points on, I think, on dialogue. Uh, one was the line, uh, I might have given up the whole idea of romantic love I might have put it to bed the day you weren't there I think is a fantastic line Um, and also the most absolutely gutting line that I've ever heard to describe an unhappy marriage is it's like I'm running a small nursery with a a person I used to date I was like holy shit every time I forget that line's there holy shit I think that's why I'm probably like obviously still not condoning adultery because you can still end a marriage without committing adultery but i'm i'm like it doesn't sound like it's happy for either of you and it won't be good for the kid yeah to where it's like just get divorced and then start dating celine and that's where i'm like it's such a simple and that's where i'm like the marriage isn't that big of an obstacle for me because it it's like it's such a simple process if you're both not happy it's doing Mm -hmm. her a disservice to continue to stay in an unhappy marriage. And that's where I'm we like, also, it's such an easy solution. I mean, easy in quotes. It's still, well, like, time-consuming. We also consuming. don't know her life. Like, not Celine. Like, we don't know. Like, we literally don't know Jesse's wife. Yeah. yeah. Which, not that we necessarily need to, but, like, she could be happy with their situation. Yeah. But they're like, in marriage counseling. It's just, they both have to be... Well, he says, I've been to marriage counseling. He doesn't necessarily say that we've been to marriage counseling. So, I mean, like, I think it, it could be implied yeah, that they I both have gone. But, like... they're both struggling hard. Yeah. And that's I why mean, I was but, like, just, just... Just end it. Here's a little line of dialogue that I think supports uh, what we've been talking about. Is when Jesse says, life's hard. It's supposed to be. If we didn't suffer, we'd never learn anything. And I think that is the inherent reason it's not an easy choice to pick up and drop everything. Because part of being past your 20s 
is the practicality I that I don't I don't unfortunately in this. that's what these movies are about but the point is is it or is that, that just what Chris accept- says no I think it's literally what the movies are about because the next one is about being in your 40s because they're taking place nine years apart and it's that's kind of also how I be in your 40s so it's not just Chris. yeah yes and I think the part of the, like life's hard but you never learn anything I think is also an acceptance that like yeah, it's not always going to be happy. You can't always be happy, but, like, you learn from the yeah. stuff that or, hurts. I guess I don't... Maybe maybe I'm going to go back and say it's not about their 20s, 30s, 40s. I'm, I'm going to go and say that it's about whatever, the level of emotional maturity you're at. I... Sure. Yeah, I think that's probably I'm more just going to say, if, accurate. if these movies are about love in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, these become almost an instant gnar for me. Because I do not care for that it just seems so like contrived and lame I guess it is. as opposed to like I mean, a love story taking place over three decades is like something that could be real versus like contriving something to fit into this box it instantly becomes like a consumerism thing that i it makes me feel so icky inside I think it's more that the circumstances they find themselves in are unique to when you're able to do those things at those ages. Like, both of them just kind of backpacking and taking trains and meeting up with their exes and figuring it out is what you're able to do in your 20s when you don't really know where you're going to go or what you're going to do. And their conversation at the cafe in this one is like, I really like the job I have. I've really come into my own with confidence for that job. And like... I'm, like, I feel like I know where I am and I'm happy to be on my own. It's, like, part, that's just at least part of, like, growing. And that's, like, an undeniable aspect of these movies. Even if you don't want to kind of sum it up as 20s, 30s, 40s, like, well, they essentially a trilogy of boyhood. I was, like, I was worried you were progressing that. That's what I don't like characters. about boyhood. Well, unfortunately, that's what Link later loves to do. Dicky Links loves <laughs> the passage. Of time. Gonna, I know yeah. this is ruining I, it, guys. No, let's, yeah, all of Tyranny's no, things no, no, that she no, no, said think, are correct, and everything you guys are talking about are wrong. The only reason I'm here is because I want Tyranny to love these movies, and so everyone, <laughs> shut the fuck up, and stop disagreeing with Tyranny. <laughs> I don't right. think that just because the people who made these movies were making these movies about the time in their lives that they were living in doesn't necessarily mean that the the movie is only about being in your 20s and only about being in your 30s. Right. I think that like that can be a component of this movie, but I also really like about like what Jim said, which is like it's not necessarily 20s, 30s, 40s, but every single one of these movies, spoiler alert for the third one that you guys <laughs> haven't seen yet, is just Don't We haven't seen it, it yet. It's, it's not a it's real not spoiler. A real, it's okay. just different. It's different levels of emotional maturity. Could this be a narrative? And, though? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, I was just like I think what you were saying is accurate. Like whether or not you are emotionally mature, like whether you're not in your an emotionally mature place in your 20s or in your 30s or in your 40s, like. I don't think that we necessarily have to ascribe age to this, but I do think that like mm-hmm. the point of these movies is a level of emotional maturity that just so happens to be in this specific couple's 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's possible that of... like that narrative was fabricated by critics who can't look at things too deeply and took that as an extension of Days and Confused, which is very much a movie about being a teenager. 
and being yes. like, well, then this movie is his 20s movie, and then this movie is his 30s. Like, and so if that's why that exists, because it's in my mind as being that, and it's probably just from reading literally everything I ever, could ever read about these movies, and I, I guess mm-hmm. I do reject that, too, for the reasons that Tyranny's stating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be pretty blunt and say if they didn't space them out by nine years, then it wouldn't be a factor. But they're spacing them out by literally one year less than a decade so that you're moving literally into different time periods of people's lives on purpose. If it was four years and it was between your 22s and your 28s, who fucking cares? Then the commentary is just whatever it is in the movie. But you're purposely setting the circumstances of this relationship in a particular time period of their lives as individuals. And so, is it just about your 20s? Yeah, absolutely not. It's not just about that decade of I life. assume... But is it about the way most people are emotionally mature at those ages and the way we approach relationships with those tools at that age? And I think it's about that. I think it is about, like, the, the complications that come from not knowing enough or knowing too much. I assume, and you guys probably know how these movies are made and I don't, I assume Diggy Links made a movie, people liked it, and then he thought to himself, maybe I'll make another one since people liked it so much. Or did he go into the studio and say, over 27 years, I will make three movies that follow this couple. Not option B. Not option B. It was definitely And that's where it's like, I look at it as like either ascribing meaning to something that might not, might have some overlap versus like being in, like if it is intentional, that was the plan. No. I do not like what's not the plan. That was definitively not the plan. Before midnight, they they said that it was possibly never going to happen. It was not on their radar at all. And it's also already been nine years since Before Midnight, um, and I'm sad about that, and they haven't come out with another no, one. No, always. Every, every year that passes that we don't get another Jesse Celine check-in is devastating to me personally. Yeah. <laughs> they should make a fourth movie, and they should call it Afternoon. <laughs> because that's when their bedtimes are, because it's going to take place when they're 80. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Or it's just exactly. the before the witching hour, and then it's both of them dying. <laughs> all right. Here's another quote that I'll just say that also kind of paints the way that they're approaching this, uh, especially looking back on their younger years as characters. As Jesse says, at least now we don't have to pretend that each new sexual experience is a life-altering event. And Celine says, I know. By now, you know, you've stuck it in so many places, it's like about to fall off. And he's like, yeah, you know, I can't realistically expect that you've become anything but a total hoe at this point. She says, yeah, thank you. But even that, like, approach to relationships is saying, like, in your 20s, everything's a life-altering event. But now, you know, it's I, just we know we've experienced enough. And I'll move on from the decades. I was going to say, Let's, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> we over are it. circling the drain here. So um, I do want to talk, I mean, we all, not all of us, but several of us said emotional connection. I think we've done a lot of that through yeah. the rest of the conversation. But uh, I do just truly love that. For again, and I mentioned this last week, but like, I am so happy getting to be a fly on the wall of this love story, and uh, I like I just had a smile on my face the entire time when I wasn't crying, which is mostly smiling, just a little bit of crying at the end. <laughs> but yeah. um, I just I'm so deeply invested in both of these characters, 
and like like you said jim i've never rooted so hard i think it's like at the beginning it's like really again for me because i saw that he was married right away there was like this like i'm uncomfortable but as the movie goes on i was just like fuck it i don't care like please like blow up your entire life just i need the two of you to be together (laughs) yeah i also i feel like I, I think I felt a lot of, like, similarities to Celine in the first one. But this one in particular, I was like, we are the same. We are the same person. Oh, like, same. You and Celine. So many things she said. I was like, yeah, yep. I it's know exactly like what you're talking about. Environmentalism, too. Yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, Right, for you. Politics. And then the, the jokes about her being a, a commie. I was like, oh, I've definitely had those <laughs> lobbed my way by... Uh, by relatives and... Is, significant is others. Right. Is Paddington's new nickname Che? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I uh, did uh, read his biography, so. Colin, I actually had a text message written out to you like a couple days ago that I just never sent and then I didn't want to send it randomly because it was would have been like a non sequitur, but when I was thinking about the dialogue and taking my notes of this movie again before actually rewatching it, I was remembering the commie and environmentalist conversations and I was like, you know what? Of course Tierney's gonna like this movie. She has to like yeah. this movie. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. peek behind the curtain, just real quick. Jim and I have had several conversations about how if you, t- you specifically, Tierney, did not like this movie, we would both be heartbroken. We've been talking about it for literal years. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we need Tierney to love this movie. So it is good that you were like, this is the mo- this is a more optimistic movie than the first one. Uh, they are happier in this one. It's like, yeah. Good. Then, yeah. Yeah, now That's you guys both probably started sweating when I was like, no, fuck this movie. I know. That's. I, I mean, was. literally, Jim was like, "We stop, stop, shut it down." Yeah. <laughs> okay. The only thing I know we need to move on, but the only thing I want to talk about very briefly, just with like story slash plot, and it like kind of oh, falls I have into one thing the dialogue. on emotional oh, okay. connection. Sorry. Before or do we? Yeah. Wait, did we no, do that good. already? Yeah. We yeah. we're on oh, it now. We're doing I think it now. We, I so, forgot to ask. It's okay. You to chime in. So that's on me. <laughs> there is like there's just this level of like I, I feel like I've achieved this certain level of introspection as I've like grown as a, as a person and a, I constantly like applying it to these movies and when I revisit them I really love going back kind of what Matt was saying like seeing like how I relate to one or more of them and like in Before Sunrise I'm almost ashamed to talk about how much like Jesse I am uh, especially the fortune teller thing uh, gotta, tell, <laughs> oh. gotta tell you that is 1000 right, right there with, me right there with you buddy um, oh and like yeah. the fucking like the letter in the first one where the he's poem? just like oh yeah he wrote that or, yeah the poem and he just like put the, the first word time in, I, I saw like, it yes but yeah. I'm a lot of rewatches I'm like actually that guy is such a sweetheart and I love him and that was a completely original yeah that poem. was my interpretation <laughs> he's so yeah. proud of him. and I like I, I see in them like my own flaws and also like things that I actually like about myself um and like his like Jesse's skepticism about the world and like is like something that I like kind of consistently relate to. They both have that though, because you talking about how the world's falling apart. Um, mm-hmm. but like regardless of who I'm seeing myself in, I find it easier or at least more exciting to think about myself as like a Jesse or a Celine than like any other character in any other movie that I've ever seen. Uh, And I'm I'm also very different than both these characters. I think I definitely relate to Celine more in this movie than Jesse. But, and not just because of, like, the marriage thing. Like, even before I was married or when I was, like, when I I first saw the movie, I was just, like, I 
get you, Celine. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just, it's amazing to me how like I, how much of an effort I make in this movie compared to other movies about trying to see myself in those characters. Yeah. And I think that's partly because the acting and the dialogue are so forefront mm-hmm. that you have to grab onto them. Like, you have to feel like you're with these characters. And that's, I think, why they're so easy to fall in love with. One, because their performances are so good. But two, because they're so real. They're so authentically lived characters that, you know, like you were saying too, Colin and, and Jim, like, I only towards the end realized I had only been looking at the kind of the one who was talking and then was like, wait, but what's the other one doing? And that's like so much a part of like, it, it's more than a film necessarily too. Cause like you have to watch it multiple times. So you can kind of actually be with them and actually kind of like exist in their spaces and appreciate them simultaneously. Cause they're both doing so much work and you can find so much of yourself in each of them, depending on when you shift to which perspective. Yeah. yeah, I love them so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, the thing I just want to mention with story plot is a part of this was like their hand was kind of forced, right? These are independent productions, so it, it like part of why it took so long to make a second one was just like getting the financing together and just like figuring yeah. out like what story they wanted to tell. So I think part of that like their hand was forced, but I think one of the things that I really really love about this movie is the fact that it's basically real time. Like, yes. you know, the first movie is more or less, like, not even 20, like, 12 hours, maybe. So it's not, like, real time, but it is, like, a fairly condensed timeline. But the fact that this one is almost literally real time, like, there are obviously cuts, you know, so, like, it's not literally real time. But it, I think the fact that there is a ticking clock on this ups the stakes that are already present in like the dialogue and like the like the story like the background of what's happened to these characters over the last nine years but i think the choice to make this not another like oh i i have a day in paris like my book tour thing is tonight but like i got in this morning you know like the the conscious choice to be like no we're only gonna give you this like hour and 20 minute snapshot of them either putting it all back together or not putting it all back together I think it's just like an incredibly wonderful choice and every time I watch it I'm just like floored by it over and over again especially with Richard Linklater's love of you know playing with time I think the fact that he was like no I'm only going to you know like we're playing with time in different ways but for this one I'm only going to do this um, and I just I think that that's so so well well conceived and well executed and i also feel like the framing of knowing he has to get back to this car to get him to the airport gives us moments that we don't necessarily get in the first one besides the train that's like you got to get on this train like this is it this is it and the first one because there's no ticking clock they kind of decide whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it but here there's like multiple false endings where you know they're walking back and she's like i'll walk you back to the car and he's like no no let's get on this boat and it's like you don't have enough time for this and he's like no i'll let's just get on and then i'll meet him at the next one and you're like okay so after that we'll get in the car and then there he's like no wait we can give you a ride home and it's like okay like this is one more chance that they're kind of pushing to make a reality to keep spending time with each other and then it's like let me walk you to your door let me come up and hear this song and you're like yeah, this, but then when they there's no when they walk this. up the stairs at that point with no dialogue, they're acting yeah. so well, like they know it's on. 
they know they know yeah. exactly what's going to happen at that point. I also love yeah. that it's like a perfect mirror to the listening booth sequence yeah. in the first movie where they're just like not saying a single thing to each other. And like in the first movie there's a reason why they're not talking to each other, but like in this one they're just like very like dead silent walking up the stairs there's no background music they're just like stealing glances at each other and yeah they're both just like we both know what's about to happen yeah. like we're not gonna say it but we both know what's about to happen uh and it's awesome yeah uh one thing i'll say about this final scene in her apartment uh as it relates to symbolism is in the first movie we have their cafe scene where they're on their fake phone conversations and expressing the way that they feel about the other person indirectly, but directly. Like, they're talking to the other person, but clearly need this guise. And in this movie, we are bookended by his communication to her about his feelings about their night through his book, and with her song that she wrote about him, about that night, sung directly to him, indirectly. And so both of them have their own expressions trying to communicate to the other person. And in the same, I think in kind of a larger scale for that last scene, this is the first time he's like entered her space, like her personal world. And so, I mean, a novel gives you plenty of time to kind of live inside the other person's head. And so she's spent time with him and it left her unsettled because she realized she still loves him. And in this part, he like puts in the Nina Simone CD and is like looking at all these little objects and like taking in like, okay, who is she? Like, who is this person that I feel like I know so well? And now I'm like inside of her world. That's just the two of us. Uh, and I found that so beautiful to kind of still have these important moments. Cause yeah, the first time he sees her in that bookstore, it's immediately like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, uh, she's here. Uh, and they're clearly in love by that final scene. Uh, which I, is now the time where we finally say the outstanding final lines of this movie. It's one of my favorite endings of any movie ever. Like, just full That's stop. One of my, like, one this of my is questions, like, is this the best final scene of a movie of all time? I, it, my jaw dropped. It blew me away the first time I watched it, and every single time I watch it, it still just takes my breath away. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Baby? Uh, you're gonna miss that plane. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a direct contrast to the last movie. She gets on the train. They exchange no more words when she's on it. And in this one, they are actively denying that they're going to separate at this point. It's, I'm gonna miss the train. I'm gonna miss the plane. Uh, yeah, incredible. Yeah. It is. All right, Q and A. Who's got questions? Oh, man. Um, Colin, I know you've mentioned you have no interest in going to Paris. Mm -hmm. Does this movie at all tilt your opinion towards visiting? Specifically the, like, one-block radius. I was going to say. (laughs) I do appreciate that this movie doesn't do, like, traditional Paris shit. It doesn't romanticize Paris. Yes, like, this movie does not go to the Eiffel Tower, it does not go to the Louvre, it does not do, like, all the bullshit that you, like, me as a me as a person who's never been to Paris, but just, like, has experienced Paris through media, like, this movie doesn't do that. Like, this movie makes Paris feel like 
I mean, partially because of <laughs> the constraints that are put upon the characters, but this makes Paris feel like a small town <laughs> that they're just, mm-hmm. like, wandering around in, like, these little, like, back alleys and shit. So I, I am more curious in this part of Paris, but I still... And like Paris as a city in general is is relatively low on my list of destinations I would like to go to. All right. Uh, another question uh, for for everyone: Was that her on Thirteenth Broadway? Yes, one hundred percent, absolutely. And is that a cosmic yes. sign that mm-hmm. they are meant to be together? For sure. Yep. Even though I'm the guy who thinks the fortune telling is stupid, I think yeah. I believe in cosmic signs. <laughs> and I felt I feel like the poem in the first movie to me felt like there are a lot of signs that were like magic markers to be like, yes, you're where you're supposed to be in this moment. This is important. Uh, and the fact that he saw her, I think, is yeah. yeah. Um. I, Jim, you kind of touched on this earlier, but one of my questions was, would you read Jesse's planned second novel? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't even read that much, so that means a lot coming from me. <laughs> yeah. I no? think it's an interesting idea and concept, but it it does sound it's like... True. It, it's true. It's way... Like it... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, the entire thing taking place during the course of one pop song? Yeah, like when he's ex- describing it, like his daughter jumps up and like the hearing the song and seeing someone dance makes him go back to that. Like, I, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. But I was like, I don't know. Could, would this be a whole novel? I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> I immediately bought in. I was like, that sounds like yeah, a great idea. I but I'm going to change my answer because it does, not, it does seem like something that might fail. You, you might be right. Like, you might write a hundred pages of it and you're like, oh, I don't have enough. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Yeah. This- <laughs> Like, maybe it would be a little novella, and I would be interested in that, but, yeah, like, a full novel? I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about all that. I have two questions for everybody, Uh, unless, if I have to pick one person to to aim it towards, obviously I'm going to pick Tierney. Uh, But, um, (laughs) do you think, basically, at what point do you think each one of them individually decided, I will sleep with this person? Mm -hmm. Like, today if I get that opportunity. Like, I want that. That's what I want to happen. Not like I'm fighting it off or, like, I'm like, yep. I think Jesse knew before he was going. Mm-hmm. He knew when mm-hmm. he was writing the book. That's why he wrote the book. Like, if, if, I, if I happen to see her. Yeah. No, he didn't what... to see her. I know, that's what I'm saying. Oh, but yeah, like, yeah. like, to Got answer it. Jim's specific question, the moment yeah. he knew was when I'm going on this book tour and if I happen to see her on this book tour. Yeah. Yeah, her, I'm not as sure, um, but, uh, I think she first considered it when he pulled her on her lap, his lap. That's a great, oh, yeah. I think that's a really, that's a good one. The way that she gets off, she's almost just like, oh, I've taken this too far, even though he, he did it. It's, it's kind of just like, yeah. they were like flirting and she's like, oh, this is too much for me. Like maybe that's this won't happen but at the same time i think she's kind of like okay that's his first physical sign i'll i'll pick a a moment that isn't like very directly about that but i think when she's on her own walking to the front of the boat uh Mm -hmm. and just kind of taking in the world around her i think that's like the first time she starts to kind of open up to the possibility of like 
know, this feels pretty good. Maybe I, maybe I make this happen somehow. Yeah. And because it might be, it's like the final minutes of them being together as far as she knows. So yeah, I, I think I, probably agree with Tyranny that he that Jesse showed up, kind of like hoping that would happen. But I do think that his like the moments where he's wrestling with whether or not he actually should are very real. Um, but then again, like if you told me like if Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and, and Richard Linklater like showed up at my house and were like, actually Jesse doesn't officially like decide that he's gonna have sex with her if he can until like X and Y moment, I would believe it. Like I, I think it, it's like when she hugs him and she's like you didn't disappear or he's like how, how am I doing he's like good I like being here like I think at that point yeah. he's, he definitely knows but there's like part of me that I'm like well if he's explaining this dream maybe he is, hasn't completely decided it yet even though I don't know yeah maybe I, you could go either way but I, I think I lean towards he, he showed up in Paris with the intent and the hope uh, my question is for Jim, which is, uh, is that the cafe, the same cafe from the Pink Panther? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I was equipped to answer this question right now. I don't know. Wait, is this a rhetorical? Okay. Do you know? Do you know? No, it just looks like oh it. Oh, my God. It looks just like it. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I won't watch Before Midnight tonight. Maybe I'll watch that. I was going to say, no, you have to watch Pink Panther. <laughs> uh, I have one more really quick, like, open-ended question. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what was. I feel like quick and open-ended do not. Oh, sorry. Go hand well, in no. hand. Well, well let's, find what, let's find what out. Let's find out. What must that driver have been thinking? <laughs> he, ta- he literally taps his watch when he's like, "I'm just gonna walk out of the door." He's like, hey, "Right, like we're time. we yeah. have distance from our TVs and from the characters. He's literally like three inches in front of both of them." <laughs> Like, yeah, he's right. sitting in the car for all of yeah. it. <laughs> I don't think he's stupid. He's not. He's probably that I guy's gonna. He knows what's happening. He's gonna cheat on his wife. Yeah. Well, yeah. I sorry. I guess like was your question? What is the what is going on? Like what's going through the driver's head when they get out of the car? No, or what's going like, through the driver's head when oh, he's sure. just like driving them around, listening during, to this like, conversation? I would love... Just be like, I feel like I shouldn't be here. Yeah, in a different <laughs> like, movie, I would love. I to wish see we his... were in a cat, like in a like a limo, so I could yeah. like roll up the visor. I just assume he doesn't speak like... English. That's what I was hoping. Yeah, I was like, I hope oh, that he's yeah, just maybe. like whatever these Americans are yelling at each other or whatever this. Yeah, this maybe. Uh, uh, my only other question is: Do you guys think Celine had written that song beforehand, like specifically the lyrics to that song beforehand, or do you think that that was just like a waltz that she knew how to play and she just like ad libbed? I thought she wrote it. I think she. Wrote it. I think so too. I was just like, it's like oh, it to your point, Matt. Like when I was watching it this time, I was like, oh yeah, this is like when they are doing the phone thing. Yeah. Like neither of them is quite ready to be able to like just openly have a dialogue with each other, so they have to come up with a way around it. And she's played it for so, all like, of her exes, and they're just like, what, Jesse? Yeah, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> My name's Tad. <laughs> that classic Tad, name. Tad Hamilton. Tad. Tad. Actually, Tad is T H A D is a French name. Oh. Oh. Thaddeus? Sure. Or whatever. Alright, well that was that was before sunset, everyone. We did it. I almost called it before sunrise. But uh before sunset, we did it. We did it. One Bless. more film. One more film. So thank you, thank you, thank you, as always, Jim, for
for yes. for joining us. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm glad that uh, our family members are safe after you <laughs> took them hostage to. <laughs> Well, to, to demand that you could be on this episode. Thank all of Thank you, you for... and I apologize for the times I interrupted you guys. No, no worries. Oh. That's why we want you on. We want you to interrupt us. We love having yeah. you. So thank you very much. Uh, next week we'll be back for the conclusion of the Before Trilogy with Before Midnight. Uh, but Ooh. I guess for now, I'm finished! I'm finished!